0: Mike, Mike and, and the Oscar
1: goes to And the Oscar goes to the to to the Oscar
0: season And the Oscar, Oscar race
1: and you're back Welcome once again to Episode of Mike, Mike and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike. One co-host, also Mike. Another Oscar race checkpoint. Okay, movies are (laughs) back, but theaters aren't because all we have is news anymore, Mike.
0: We have a lot of news. A lot of it is sobering news. That's for sure. Uh, It's 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 a good spring. It's a rough summer. And it's a it's a fall that it'll be our doesn't... downfall. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we we like the film festivals. Yeah. We sure as hell like the film festival food options. <laughs> and I'm wondering if we like all of these September movies. Uh, well, we're gonna weigh in, that, in on the September movies at the end of this episode. Uh, but we got all kinds of news in this one. We're, we just got to hit record because it all just it mounted up we got to do it a lot of wb fallout a lot of changes with wb in the dceu a lot
1: of changes to halloween ends a lot of changes to the indie spirits a lot of trailers that just dropped this morning as we record this on the 25th so yes let's not waste any more time and get right into it we'll start with that change to the independent spirit awards they decided they announced on the 24th yesterday they're
0: gonna go with gender neutral acting categories so, yeah, the Spirits joined Bifa and the Gothams and going with genderless acting awards. Uh, the Spirits here went from best male and female leads slash supportings And uh, they used to have five noms per. So they used to have four categories, five noms per. And they've now gone to three categories. Best lead performance, ten noms. Best supporting performance, ten noms. And best breakthrough performance, five noms. So they subtracted one category, but they actually increased the acting noms from 20 to 25. Uh, The Gothams had a similar format, Michael but they actually have less noms overall because they have an optional number of nominees. Last year they had only seven supportings, even though ten leads, uh, and they always do a, a breakthrough category. And the BIFAs actually have more categories, and we've talked about them. They have a lead, a supporting, up to ten noms. They have a joint lead, which can award two or up to three performances uh, in that category. And then they have an ensemble category as well as a best breakthrough breakthrough that they've always had
1: i still think the BEFAs have the best layout of the change of accepting gender gender neutral categories and this looks like to to be where we're trending with award shows you've covered all the award shows that have changed and when we when the BEFAs announced they were going gender neutral we covered the award shows that have accepted gender neutral categories in the past decade or so on top mm-hmm. of it uh that was one of our more recent orcs i think from three or four weeks ago okay it mm-hmm. seems like this is the the trend now with award shows. I've seen a lot of people obviously come out against this and aren't happy with this and make the claim that there should be a difference between actor and actress, and they like it just for not, not even you know the gender's sake so much as the drama's sake of the night on the award show. Mm-hmm. That's one. Two, for me, if any awards body is going to be the slowest to adapt such an approach with gender-neutral categories, it's going to be the Academy, isn't it?
0: Well, there's another organization... That just went private. Um, that might be a well, little slower. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair. <laughs> but other yeah. than them, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, I
1: mean, the HFPA's is what. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't even know how. Like, I'm fine with this. Is this is how it's going to go? I just think that if you're going to combine the categories, then you should have joint and ensemble, and maybe even a casting category on top of it.
0: Yeah, the historians are going to get frustrated because there is some deep, rich history in, you know, 94 years of those same categories every year. And then those categories have really never changed, Lee, you know, since the beginning of the Oscars. So that's probably where you're getting some rub. I think this is where it's going. I think this is where it should go. I agree with it. Let's let's go there. I I don't understand I mean, I I understand the hesitancy from the traditional standpoint, but the traditions are kind of getting so obviously old news. Let's mm. let's change it up. It's the it's the right time to change it up too for the, for award seasons to get on the right side of this and not to do it just excruciatingly late like they do with everything else. Like we're <laughs> going to cover in this episode, why can't they just do it now? Well, speaking
1: of things that took a while to. Uh
0: come around and do.
1: It was almost 50 years ago that Sachin Littlefeather was uh, ridiculed for her partaking in what she did on the Oscars stage, Mike.
0: Yeah, the Academy apologized to Sachin Littlefeather, a Native American actress who accepted the Oscar on behalf of Marlon Brando in 1973. She was heckled, mocked in the room, uh, threatened by John Wayne, who had to be restrained at that Oscars. And then she was blackballed out of the business. As an actress, she she never really worked again. And uh, in turn, now the Academy
1: does come around. They offer their apologies. They will treat Miss Littlefeather as the guest of honor at an evening of healing and indigenous celebration hosted at the Academy Museum. That'll be September
0: 17th. And we had an exclusive for, from Rebecca's son at The Hollywood Reporter on this uh, where she continues with a reaction from Little Littlefeather, quote, I was stunned, I never thought I'd live to see the day I, I would be hearing this, experiencing this, unquote. Little Feather, now seventy-five, tells a Hollywood reporter of receiving the Academy's statement, which was first privately presented to her in June. Quote, when I was at the podium in nineteen seventy-three, I stood there alone, unquote.
1: So maybe I'm not giving the Academy enough credit when I say that they'll be the slowest to take this up. Maybe they are showing signs of progress and being more progressive and and liberal-leaning as they should be and apologetic, as obviously this was a, a great wrong at the time, the way she was treated. And they did come around, and they're doing right by her, but it took
0: 50 years. Yeah, I mean, this is bringing new meaning to the phrase that we always seem to say on this show. And it, and it drives me crazy that I'm in like a, a George Clooney Oscar speech mode right now because I, <laughs> I, I could feel the smugness and aggravation, you know, coming through my, my my voice right now. But it just really is aggravating, like they can't get on the right side of this because right now we're saying good, great, grand, bravo. But what took you so long? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On, I mean, what are we, what are we doing every single step of the way? I'm, I'm glad that under new management, they kind of looked through, you know, the past and they said, okay, let's jump on this obvious wrong that needs to be righted. Finally, I can't believe that this was overlooked. Uh, But I'm sure a lot of people can believe that (laughs) out there based on, you know, Uh, it's, you
1: know, I mean, congratulations. What took you so long should be the Academy's official slogan. But like you said, maybe with new leadership, new management, new president, like maybe things are trending in the right direction. Finally, after all this time, and maybe we can be a little quicker on the uptake to writing some of these wrongs and ending up on the right side of history on some of these issues uh, as
0: far as the Academy goes. Well, it's a, a happy story, a sad story. I don't know what this next story is, Mike, as we get into industry news. Weird story. We'll talk about
1: industry news (laughs) and we'll talk about Halloween ends. They announced yesterday that Halloween ends like Halloween kills will be a day and date release. It's going to release simultaneously in theaters and on Peacock on October 14th. I saw somebody do the Mean Girls meme in response to this and be like, stop trying to make Peacock happen. Peacock's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: So to remind you guys, Halloween kills was also that day and day released and it pulled in 2.8 million viewers on peacock in its first 30 days according to samba as for the box office halloween kills it had totaled 131.6 at the worldwide international box office there uh, and that's pandemic times as compared to halloween of 2018 which raked in a total of 255 million So to watch Halloween ends now, you need a Peacock premium subscription, which is $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year, Michael.
1: I mean, hand up. I did watch it at home on Peacock after watching it in theaters, and that's part of the marketing push of this decision as they got Jamie Lee Curtis to come out, Peacock did, or Universal did and make uh, this small vignette. They released this like two and a half minute vignette of Jamie Lee Curtis saying that they're doing this so it can reach the highest uh, number of people possible and that you should do what she would do, which is go to the theaters and watch it and scream it with everybody in a community and then watch it again at home and then go back to the theater. But they're saying all the right (laughs) things, but you know, somewhere David Zaslav's neck just snapped back as he like felt this thing being done by this is trying to prop up streaming and putting a, a theatrical movie made for theaters and something that could be a big box office on streaming on day and date. It's uh, I, it's kind of a bummer for me, and it's kind of a yeah. bummer for all box office watchers, because like, yes, Halloween Kills was in COVID times, but this was going to be an interesting case study To see would fans turned off by Halloween kills Would they flock to the theaters already Or after all the COVID stuff when see Halloween ends here Would it break the any records that Halloween 2018 set That we always talked about with the records that set And could Halloween ends shatter those I don't think we're going to get a chance to see that now
0: It's got to be maddening to theater owners as well Like they yeah. got to be really worried about this trend That uh won't, won't break, Michael. Because we've talked about the WB stuff. We're gonna get back into that in a second with with the butcher, but even with theatrical heading in a better direction, there's still a lot of unbelievers out there. And Peacock has been struggling. We 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 saw the reports a couple months ago, or weeks ago. Time is a flat circle. Mm-hmm. That uh, they didn't add any new subscribers l- last quarter which was like unheard of and everybody was freaking the hell out when Paramount was adding and and even HBO Max added uh you know 10 million or whatever it was so they they were frustrated and they had a clear jump in subscribers when they put out Halloween kills it's a very obvious movie where they're going to make a profit theatrically no matter what yes but you're kind of you're not kind of. You're splitting the baby in a way. I and mean, it's a terrible metaphor, especially with Michael Myers being your slasher. <laughs> but you are. You're You're. You're definitely taken away from theaters here. This movie should may should have made something similar to 2018's Halloween. Being the third in the trilogy, everybody wanted to see Big how this finale, was going to end. Yeah. You would have saw it back to back to back times, maybe in theaters. And now you'll probably do your rewatches at home. And I don't blame you. I'm going to do the same. For what it's
1: worth, there there is word out there that universal is making the creatives whole despite them obviously gonna like the the revenue won't be there in in whole obviously because they are doing day and day but they made the creatives people behind the scenes uh i don't know if that apply i would assume that applies to jamie lee curtis as well and the talent on screen but uh right uh, it's the least they could
0: do michael Yeah. yeah uh weird 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 decision i think well, let's move on to this WB fallout because we do have Zaz the Butcher continuing to cut costs all over the place. HBO and HBO Max originals continue to be pulled from the streamer and put on BOD uh, to avoid them having to pay royalties, according to, Matt, according to Matt Bellany of Puck in the town at the ringer there, uh, and to make some money wherever they can, seemingly. Uh, we had HBO Max cut 29 European staffers, including most of the executives behind those originals, and they pivoted two of those hbo max original movies that we were kind of waiting on that we had previewed in the past house party which will now hit theaters uh december 9th instead of going to the to the streaming service pivoted there and then evil dead rise which will now head to theaters in april of 2023
1: yeah i don't remember the number it's either two or three but that's it for wb releases coming to theaters that's all they have in terms of new movies for the rest of 2022 here Black Adam obviously is one house party
0: was added one I don't I can't remember if there's another movie or if uh... do not forget a little Sally Hawkins is going to just take it to a, a very snobbish <laughs> academic board of men and find that uh, lost king Michael Michael which mo- which Michael mo- are you still which, there which Michael movie? which movie <laughs> the, the Lost King Sally Hawkins is going to be the British fifi movie that i'm oh going God, to see I I that how, dare that that how dare you forget that movie how dare you Stephen frears philomena i
1: totally blocked that out of my mind ma- i still i'm still having trouble remembering it and she's gonna it.
0: find a lost king she's gonna find a <laughs> good for her
1: <laughs> and, and um, amongst other news with wb doing all these changes DC has shifted its calendar again in an odd way. Not one that was talked about or kind of hinted at even in the shareholders meeting. We had Aquaman 2 yeah it was going to debut obviously this december of 2022 it was rumored to be moving to march of 2023 and their official announcement came yesterday that aquaman is being moved an entire year it'll be pushed out to december of 2023 shazam fury of the gods also gets moved it was uh they were worried about it competing with avatar 2 it, it will not it gets pushed out to march 17th of 2023 so it will avoid that head-to-head at the box office with avatar 2 and shazam's director came out on twitter and said hey it's really not a big deal it's kind of cool shazam deserves to be seen on the biggest screen possible and avatar had already booked all the imax screens, so we didn't really have anywhere to go with that so we're, we're pleased with this decision could be towing the company line there we'll see but what makes this odd is that now instead of aquaman previewing shazam and previewing the flash it's going to be shazam the flash and then aquaman which as richard newby pointed out on twitter means that that scene in which michael keaton originally shot which ben affleck was brought in to reshoot supposedly or presumably at the end of, or at some point with aquaman 2 now may be cut from the film entirely because it may not make chronological sense with how these films are going to be shown not to mention by the way that the flash <laughs> is still on the schedule
0: for its original june 2023 release and this all plays into batgirl how i don't know yeah. uh, i think uh i think the, the other scuttlebutt on film Twitter was that this 10-year DC plan is not really going to start until 2025. Well, that's
1: the dirty little secret, and I tweeted that myself, like,
0: okay... Oh, you tweeted that. What Who, who am I reading? I don't know who I'm plagiarizing you're, anymore. You're the best this in the is, business is, is who you're <laughs> quoting there. No, like, if you
1: have these I'm plans I'm like Trump.
0: Now. <laughs> people said... Pe- somebody said... People said I read it. Right, you, I heard...
1: If you have these plans now that run you through 2023... If you're going to introduce this big, bold, new, all-in collaborative DC universe with Joker 2 coming out next year, which obviously isn't going to part of it. We just talked about that Keaton through line, which isn't going to make sense and maybe dropped entirely now. And the Flash may or may not be happening as there were reports that WB is weighing their options with what to do with Ezra Miller. That came out this week since the last time we commented on the Ezra Miller uh, controversies. Again, there's another uh, wavering by WB since. They're, they're, they're weighing. They don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, great. Okay. I mean, wow. so you're not going to have time to promote and debut a movie, much less, I mean, you got to shoot it first, right? You have to have the plan for what the extended DCEU is going to be first. So you're not going to start a DCEU until when's the earliest? When's the absolute earliest this can start? Late 2024?
0: Well, right. You're going to have to get those things in production soon. Otherwise, like Joker 2 has got to be like the launch point. Which makes no sense. Right, right, (laughs) right. It doesn't. It does not. It does not. Unless they're going to go dark for everything, but I I don't think they will. I, I can't
1: see that happening either.
0: We do have a Fallout story on Batgirl. Apparently, they've been having secret screenings on the WB lot this is an exclusive from Aaron Couch and Boris Kitt at The Hollywood Reporter, Michael. Several sources suggested that Warners
1: uh, might make the drastic move of actually destroying its Batgirl footage as a way to demonstrate to the IRS that there will never be any revenue from the project, and thus it should be entitled to the full write-down immediately. This is on the heels of these quote-unquote funeral, funeral screenings that WB is showing to, I guess, certain personnel on their lot only to kind of give this Batgirl movie an official send off. Uh, more from Aaron Couch and Boris Kitt regarding this write down and regarding the funeral screenings. Other sources dispute that notion, noting that there are other projects that still have footage locked away that will never see the light of day, such as HBO's first Game of Thrones spin off pilot, Blood Moon, an hour of television that not even author George R.R. R. Martin has seen. There's been all kinds of fallout from these funeral screenings for Batgirl as well. The director, I think, came out and said he was trying to recoup footage of it, and the hard drive that he went to access had been deleted entirely, so he thought the footage was already gone and destroyed at one point earlier this week. Ivory Aquino came out on Twitter just today, writing an open letter to David Zasloff, pleading with him to, with all this newfound support that's online... For the Batgirl project, pleading with him to say, hey, maybe you can recoup more costs than you thought originally. Please, everyone, work so hard on this. Can you just let it see the light of day, et cetera, et cetera? I, I don't understand how, I mean, the bad will, I guess, I mean, goodwill is a legal term that companies actually have to establish. So I guess bad will can be the antithesis of that. The bad will that this is doing for WB in the public space for. A seventy million dollar write-off? That's not even a write-off because it's already a sunk cost?
0: I don't get it's, it. it. It's not even that seventy million dollar write-off. I mean basically yeah, they're writing you're right. They're writing off seventy million dollars, but they're only making really twenty right. at best, according to IGN and all the, you know, Forbes, etc. So they're <sighs> They're not making that much money. It's money in the hand, I guess, than birds in the bush or whatever, or however that saying is. Yeah, goes. no, that's it. So somebody knows that saying <laughs> out there. But look at, I, I think this guy is treating the film wing of his streaming service like television. And this Game of Thrones anecdote about Blood Moon being a lost pilot, a buried pilot, something that happens in the television industry from what we've heard and read over the years on a yearly basis, perhaps more than we get things greenlit and produced. I mean, we have have how many, during pilot season, how many things are buried and, mm. and probably written off uh, and never seen than, you know, as compared to what is seen. And this is a TV guy making a TV move with with batgirl that it's just very rare yeah. in in the film industry and he's just he doesn't understand going in or maybe he does maybe he's going in with his eyes wide open and he knows this is going to be a thing that's why he buried it in the earnings call and again you know kudos to the journalists that immediately pounced on it everywhere and made it such a big story but this is this is not uh, this is not happy fallout over at WB, and the whole Keaton angle is even more fascinating, like you said. That whole plot line probably buried now, and yeah, he's probably poof gone. I wonder, I wonder if they used his payment. His what, what did he earn mm. as a write off? Yeah, film is not TV, right?
1: I, I mean, I understand your absolutely. You, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's treating this like an approach to TV, and. That's probably even further underscored by how he talks and thinks, obviously thinks about what HBO and HBO Max are. As again, he thinks they're premier television and probably not much more. Mm -hmm. So he thinks he's writing off a 70 million dollar TV show. Basically,
0: that's not what's happening here. Well, it's all okay, Mike, because House of the Dragon has landed (laughs) and became the biggest premiere ever for HBO Max and HBO. Right. Uh, yeah, it did well. It's the biggest debut uh, premiere episode in
1: HBO history, had almost 10 million viewers, 9.986. What happened, Mike? You couldn't find 14,000 of your friends to make that an even round 10 million <laughs> during its premiere night? All right, look, we don't want to keep bringing up Zaslav in every story, but we might as well since we've done it thus far. I, I'm going to actually maybe defend him a little bit here because in some sense, I think I understand Zaslav's he- hesitancy with regarding HBO or HBO Max as anything other than premier television. I think of it as only premier television. I mean, 10 million viewers is a huge number, especially for Mm -hmm. appointment viewing in 2022. But in a world in which the Super Bowl is still raking in 112.3 million, having the must-see premier property do basically one-eleventh of that, I think, is a little sobering. And when you compare it apples to apples, and no, it's not fair to go... Broadcast or or premium cable or whatever you want to call HBO at this point to you know network TV, but ten million dollars is less than what an average episode of NCIS did during its most recent season in twenty twenty one twenty two, and this is ever for HBO. the biggest opening ever for HBO is ten million viewers. It's about a million viewers less than the average NCIS episode
0: from its nineteenth season. All right, Uh, that's fair. However, the context. The context is not exactly fair because i cannot allow this network tv standing <laughs> to occur so brazenly here because a i don't watch ncis mike <laughs> there tends to be an upward trajectory for shows like this and, it, and yes. without ads it really doesn't matter who watches on night one versus night eight that what all all that matters for hbo is that you stay subscribed and that this feeds the beast that is you fair. as an hbo viewer uh there's also like this built-in ceiling for for HBO it's not a network it's not one of the few networks on on cable t- on, on network television there's only 90 million subs and yeah that's a wide intent for HBO Max that's two and a half times what HBO used to subscribe but three the NCIS viewer most of them are asleep while the show is playing over I mean, there snoring you had me so yeah come me. on the first You're... two points are good ones yeah <laughs> So I just will not stand for all of this this suspicion and this lowballing of what is a success, a great success, worthy of a company-wide email about this fantasy series living up to my nerd-like dreams, as did the Rings of Power trailer. So I just want to live in a world where... We have Rings of Power being good, and we have House of the Dragon being good, and I get to nerd out, and and you can just filter your righteous fury against corporate com- America elsewhere, please.
1: Thank you. You and Schmave need to have a spinoff podcast where you just cover all this nerd shit that I couldn't possibly care <laughs> less about. <laughs> I'm down, Schmidt. Look, it's again, you're, I mean, the the point of it's a growing thing is absolutely right because what did HBO, the Game of Thrones finale, rake in? Something like 40 million viewers, 40 plus, I think, when we covered it. So, yeah, you're, I mean, there's definitely something to that. But in light of this being the biggest marketing campaign ever in HBO's history, you get to, I, I mean, are you surprised? Were you surprised when you saw the 10 million
0: number? i wasn't because i think i think everything's going to do better for okay. hbo numbers wise at least size wise because they have grown they have grown with hbo max okay fair
1: enough
0: i'll be the pessimistic one when it comes to that that's fine <laughs> uh we got some film festival moves uh moves and news uh the venice film festival is coming next week mike what do you think Venice's the go-to dance move is on the floor at the Venice Film Festival, yeah, like it is a flash mob mm. dance move. It's celebrating No Bears, but Jafar Panahi. <laughs> it's
1: just Gaspar Noe's latest film, the last film where the dance club is hell, which I can't remember the name <laughs> of right now off the top of my head. Climax, climax you should yes. watch. Climax. I'm going to at some point. It's on. You the list. are not. No, going it, no, to. no, no, You're no, no, not. no. I will Shut before up. I die. I'm getting to climax. <laughs> Great. Thanks. (laughs) Which is a sentence that is great if you take it out of context for this
0: episode. Uh, (laughs) So
1: Venice Film Festival does come next week. Gotta stop with these sexual euphemisms. And the 79th Venice Film Festival is planning two special events. To protest world events planned for Thursday, September 8th, Venice is going to have a Ukrainian day, which will feature a number of initiatives that focus attention on the plight of Ukrainian artists and filmmakers within the context of Russia's invasion of the country on February 24th and its ongoing war of aggression there. That's from Scott Roxborough of the THR.
0: The THR or THR? The Hollywood Reporter. Yes, sir. And then Venice is also holding... That protest for imprisoned filmmakers like Jafar Panahi. Uh, apparently, this will take the form of a flash mob on the red car- carpet during the walk-up for No Bears, 4.30 Venice time on September 9th, Michael.
1: Very cool. Two very, very cool, very timely, and very prescient Uh, initiatives there by venice venice starts next wednesday august 31st it goes through september 10th we're going to ask the questions of which films are most intriguing for us here in this segment now but let's start with two new trailers released for venice films they just dropped this morning on the 25th white noise and tar will start with the opening night film from noah Bomback, white stranger things
0: (laughs) And we have uh, Noah Bombach's dream family of Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig's Real Life Life. (laughs) And these precocious kids who just actually cut to the core of what's happening by looking at other people in other cars. I want to know how afraid I should be. It's a great line. I I loved it from the the little novel there. You got this airborne toxic event that's happening in the skies above them. So obviously there's this big... You know, the town is fleeing. They're going to the grocery store. The the family's leaving, whatever town this is. He's a Hitler studies professor, by the way, at the College on the Hill. So Ronald Reagan, eat your heart out there. <laughs> I think that's deliberate in white noise.
1: <laughs> um Stranger Things. Noah Baumbach watched Stranger Things, uh, an episode of Stranger Things, and he was like, I want to try this. Chris <laughs> Evangelista showed skepticism as to why this is being cut as a thriller, which to me suggests that maybe he knows this is going to be a more typical Bombakian type fare. If this isn't, if this is Noah Bombak dipping his toe into the sci-fi Stranger Things type strenuous drama, let's say, instead of going full thriller world, I'm all for that.
0: I, I didn't really see a thriller here I, I have to take okay uh, disagree I mean it's a short trailer so who knows it's a teaser maybe yeah. he's right it's yeah. a teaser uh, I mean it, it, the the thriller the trailer does build to like a thriller like con- yes. uh, conclusion where there's cross-cutting and he's you know running from something and he's falling on the ground and so. everyone's
1: staring at the sky at one point in amazement makes you kind of call that right. to alien so, invasion all right movies. maybe yeah.
0: maybe he's right but yeah I don't know but uh, I would say tar has the you know the harder editing there the the more kinetic energy editing uh from focus features todd field kate blanchett nina haas you know acting like crazy in this trailer powerhouse performances it seems to be that smoke is billowing early but we don't keep it billowing michael because tar has camera movement that is just incredible and you get a lot in this trailer about this uh About this musician or what do you call a a composer Composer. of a composer uh, in in her element there uh, in Germany.
1: A lot of striking visuals, a lot of sexual tension, up close shots. I'm like, was Paul Verhoeven in charge of directing this trailer and cutting this trailer? It (laughs) kind of gave off that vibe, which is not the type of movie I don't think I was expecting from this. But it Hmm. certainly I mean, the visuals are striking. They do draw you in and they make it more the film more
0: intriguing i would say to a layperson the vocal exercises that you Creepy. hear uh, yeah and then they have this crescendo that really brings the the trailer home uh, i i thought this was shades of the square the ruben ostlin mm. film criticizing high society artists. and i i can't wait to see tar I, I think this really looks good i was very suspicious after pr- the pretentious first trailer and Now, I think I'm sold, but I'm wondering what of these Venice films you're most curious about, maybe besides the Olivia Wilde interviews on the Venice (laughs) Red Carpet, because I saw you tweeting about those. So don't worry, darling, I'm sure for you. But like, I'd expect The Sun, White Noise, and Bardo to get some acclaim. I, I could see the whale, don't worry, darling, bones and all, and blonde going either way for me, for everybody. I'm rooting hard for the Banshees of Inna Sharon. And like I said, I think Tar won me over now after a while where I was suspicious. So, what do you think?
1: Yeah, prior to even watching that trailer, my thought was that Tar, if it had awards legs or was awards worthy at all, which I did expect it to be, at least for Cape Blanchett's sake. Looking at the, the the Venice jury led by Julianne Moore there leading a, a jury mm-hmm. of European filmmakers, I I mean I just Tar which is a movie about a German composer played by Kate Blanchett I just thought that spoke way too well to you know line up match up there and it may it just feels like something that can, is going to compete for the Golden Lion if it's in com- competition there so that's what I was kind of expecting what I'm hoping for from any of this is, including the titles you named. I just want reasons to be excited going into the Q4 more than just the already studio films that we've already mentioned and have previewed to
0: death at this point. That being said, do you expect a backlash against or a parade for Don't Worry Darling? Because WB took Dune there last year and there was a parade. That's the
1: other WB movie I couldn't think of. Good lord.
0: Yeah, WB knows what they're doing with Venice, or at least you would think so. I could see it. I mean we're we're gonna talk about the whale later on, maybe being something that, you know, with uh Brendan Fraser's tribute coming at Tiff, maybe the whale is is something that's unmissable as well, but I, I look I'm the the Olivia Wilde Oscars push is still on in full force.
1: She's got the I think it's Vanity Fair's cover. She gave that big interview, talk hinting on the Jason Sudeikis breakup stuff and talking about "Don't Worry, Darling" and a uh, woman's sexual gratification that she shows in the movie itself and how there's no men getting you know like she's on full court press. The interesting I, I know what to expect from Olivia Wilde's red carpet interviews. The interesting thing's going to be what Florence Pugh doesn't doesn't say. If if she, Is she going? Do we know that she's going? I don't last know. Last I heard, I mean, this was last month. I don't have a follow-up since last month. But last I heard last month is they were both supposed to be there
0: promoting the right. film. All right. So that's something to watch next week for certain at Venice. Let us know what you guys are uh, yeah. expecting and uh, most anticipating from Venice. We will catch up with Tiff for a second because we've had a few awards uh, announced already i mentioned the first brendan frazier's getting the performer tribute for his role in the whale michael we also have two others yeah my policeman is set for the ensemble tribute awarding harry styles david dawson emma
1: corin linus roche rupert everett and the rest of the cast there and sam mendes also is going
0: to get an award he's going to receive the director award for empire of light yeah why are we mentioning these well because we have tiff tributes having a strong Oscars crossover since they began a few years ago, nine of the last 16 tribute award winners. Uh, they have been nominated for Oscars and six of those last 16 went on to win Oscars in 2021. Wow. We had, uh, Chastain Cumberbatch, Wegner. in uh, 2020 Hopkins and Chloe Zhao in 2019, Waititi, Joaquin Phoenix and Deacons. I'm, I'm sorry. I had Villeneuve is where in there as well. He got a screenplay, uh, nom in 2021 so big names went on to win oscars in each of these years first things first they get a tribute kind of to kickstart their campaigns at tiff
1: yeah and speaking of the sam mendes award and empire of light we did finally get our first look kind of a teaser trailer of that as we transition into covering a couple trailers that came out hopefully contender trailers mike what'd you think of the empire of light teaser
0: yeah, forget that Nicole Kidman PSA. AMC should just run this trailer before every movie. <laughs> Sam Mendes, Roger Deakins, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross, who I forgot did the music for this. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned it at one point. Searchlight Pictures. So you have Olivia Coleman from The Favorite. You have Michael Ward, uh, from uh, the BAFTA Rising Star winner from Top Boy and Blue Story. I did not realize the romance was between them two. I, I, I thought, you know, top billing was coleman and firth so i thought colin firth i thought that they were the cinema operators together uh toby jones is also in this narrating from tinker taylor captain america hunger Games. so i had no idea michael ward and olivia coleman add such gravitas to the whole civil rights issue in 1981 britain here that was controversy that's really gonna that's really gonna hit hard in this film
1: yeah congrats on your Next Oscar noms: each of Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, Roger Deakins, and <laughs> Olivia <laughs> Colman for this. Uh, this screams contender and player, and maybe Michael Ward. Yeah, maybe, maybe especially Michael if it's Ward supporting. Who yeah. knows with Colin Firth too? Obviously, uh, yeah. the only qualm I have, uh, the knit uh, I will pick, that's supposed to be a struggling art house cinema, a struggling art house theater. That, that immaculate building that looks gorgeous and is ginormous is supposed to be a struggling theater.
0: The audacity of people not going to such a (laughs) gorgeous theater where fireworks are shown, uh, you know, where the the snow falls gently on the marquee where the fireworks... bloom over the night sky and where Olivia Coleman balls in complete cinematic yes! bliss joy <laughs> having an orgasm in her theater seat because movie going experience is such a beautiful thing and and then you have all the transitions in this trailer where like the faint light in a dark room gives you the credits you know the the Sam Mendes and then you have the the thing ending with the particles of light on the projector yeah. shown from Deacons. I just go I mean he of course he's getting nominated for this, isn't he? <laughs> I I absolutely think so. I didn't
1: expect Empire of Light to be literally about the light in which movies run, but as Toby Jones explains in his voiceover in the narration, this is literally I mean, movies are just pictures, right? That they move at twenty four frames per second and if you hit the light hits them, they can
0: look like they're moving. Ah, gorgeous. Love the narration. So we we have to see Empire of Light. That's really that's what a trailer's supposed to do. It's supposed to get you your expectations so much higher. Yeah. It's supposed, it, it makes it a must see. And yeah, Empire of Light is now a must see for our Oscar season. What I am not going to commit <laughs> to being a must see though is Pinocchio. This is Disney Plus's Tom Hanks version. However, I'll grant you this, Michael, this was a much better trailer for the film that will hit Disney Plus on September eighth from Robert Zemeckis. It looked great. It look, it's horrifying <laughs> and scary, but the
1: visuals I thought I was quite impressed by. I don't know if this is going to be Oscars eligible, uh, but VFX, if it is, should be a player just based on the, the trailer look. But look, what's most important here? Hmm. Who hurt Tom Hanks over the past year that he has to take these roles and do these things and these voices and with these prosthetics on?
0: Look, I think the movie's going to rest on him like the success of this thing because he's in this character actor phase for some reason he could just keep doing his movie star thing but he's not he got covid he got covid first i guess that was taxing fine (laughs) (laughs) we have a lot of the familiar beats of the animated original uh we have pinocchio the puppet being absolutely adorable Mm -hmm. throughout this trailer this animated puppet is somebody whose innocence and sincerity is going to be something you can't help but root for, which made the animated original, the animated, uh, you know, classic, so much of a classic there. And yeah, I think Tom Hanks, if he's just not getting the the mocap, uh, you know, for for whoever's you know acting next to him, if he's not getting into the mocap, it's going to be a major problem because his accent is stupid. <laughs> the Cynthia Riva blown up to the height of the room is kind of silly you know Luke Evans is is he going to be the bad guy in every one of these live action disney movie uh I and then you, apparently like Keegan Michael Key Joseph Gordon Levitt Lorraine Bracco they got you know you got a good cast of voice actors but for whatever reason I can't like I can't put my finger on whose voice was whose during the trailer so it's like a weird bunch of voice actors I would say at least G- Joseph Gordon Levitt you know it just he, he doesn't seem like, I, I I don't know, get a distinct voice. I mean, I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Maybe his body is, is his instrument, not his voice. I don't know. <laughs> well, it certainly was in, uh, what was that movie <laughs> where he was the,
1: the New Jersey bodybuilder, body the lifter there? God damn. Starting early.
0: Know. You're right. You're right. You're right. I don't remember Scarlett I don't. Scarlet I don't ah. No, I refuse to look it up. Keegan-Michael Key, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't have overlooked him because he did, did a good job Don in John. Toy Story 4. Don John. Yeah, that was, yeah, I, yeah. I really didn't like that movie. Lorraine Bracco- from the Sopranos, of course. Yeah. Like, what? I just okay. I just want to see her in other things. <laughs> but okay, she's going to be a voice in this.
1: Did you Did you like the visuals? Were you impressed by them? What did what'd
0: you think of the trailer sure. overall? Sure. Yeah. No. I think the the cartoons looked real enough. Uh, to 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 where I was I, I I'm, I'm interested I I know Disney's catching up on a lot of this VFX so that's another thing they're did they're, they're churning stuff out for Disney Plus I watched the She Hulk episode one and the VFX looked great on Good. my TV so that was something that really yeah. looked ridiculously bad in its first trailer and then. I had no issues with the VFX on episode one. So I'm sure they're just... And you got a lot of stories coming out from VFX departments that they were rushing, rushing, rushing to get things out and to finish them, and, and that makes some sense. Is there
1: anything to the fact that Disney and Peacock and all these other streamers are holding so tight to the streaming game? I mean, does that make you doubt Zaslav's approach even more? Do you think there's something to... I mean, obviously WB is having significant money issues. We talked about the debt they're in. We talked about, you know their the EBITDA that they don't have that they're trying to strive towards with streaming and with their with their company as a whole. I mean, eschewing streaming completely in the way they are in terms of putting new movies on there. Every other
0: studio that has a streamer is not following suit, clearly. I think I think Zaslav is just again, I think he's move, he's moving eggs to to certain baskets is what he's doing and I think he's saying that he's not in favor of putting streaming movies on there at least the ones that they're making for x amount of dollars that he wants to commit to the traditional windows for those and he's you know he's banking on TV like you know House of the Dragon and the rehearsal which you just watched right or you're watching I'm, I I'm it's a my god what I hear things <laughs> what
1: I mean it's 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 scary to watch, like I don't know what the point of what he's doing is yet. I'm only halfway through, but man, is it a scary watch. I am terrified.
0: I like it's the things like That, that is it awkward to. Oh my to god, watch? skin crawling. Oh, I can't do <laughs> things like that. I, I, I struggle, especially when it's reality TV based. But I, I, I watched some of Nathan for you back in the day. But I think he's trying to build on safer bets and cheaper bets like that. In the TV space, when it's not pr- prestige HBO, the movie bets for him don't make sense, and that's unfortunate because I wish they would just pivot to the theatrical for all of them. Unfortunately, look, we do have we do have Disney with a, a very clear pipeline right now. Sure, they've they've committed to consistent content, and they have jumped up enough to where I think you know they could see. They could see greener grass ahead of them. They they could see profitability in the future. That did they have to invest so much so and give the freebies so much so and give keep the prices so low that they're not in the profit zone yet and they're kinda banking on the theatrical slash theme parks right now. Well, yeah, that's where they're at. But Disney Plus, you know, has a path to profitability if it goes from one fifty something million subscribers all the way up to you know, what Netflix has got. There's no doubt about it. No, lest we forget that Disney also
1: has all different arms and all different studios. Another Disney property is the movie Barbarian from 20th century, Uh, Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård. At one point in this trailer, I was like, is that Justin Long? Who is (laughs) not in the trailer at all, except for one quick cut. But yes, Justin Long is in this movie as well.
0: I cannot wait to see this and I'm sure I will regret saying that because whatever <laughs> is in that basement is going to j- absolutely scare the crap out of me. But I this works as horror movie marketing, doesn't sure. it, Mike? Absolutely. It looks it, it looks truly terrifying and
1: it's got creepy pleasantville creepy vibes because you're in Mm. you go you walk up to this house at nighttime and it's dark and it's raining and it's two people who have seemed seemingly booked the same airbnb by accident so they have to make do but yet we see this one shot halfway through or towards the end of the trailer where it's all bright sunshine on the house even though we're looking at this literal house of horrors going on Mm. within the house itself at night as the basement has this never ending corridor of hidden rooms and doors and stuff where
0: somebody's being held captive for something I think that horror movies in early September moved off of the date for more reasons than just, you know, they wanted to move the date. Like, Salem's Lot moved off, and now it's moved out. But Barbarian probably has the goods, and it's probably known in the industry that Barbarian has the goods because I can't wait to see this. I mean, you're going to have Smile the week before and then Barbarian. I, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in. I'm in. we got a couple good horror movies coming up, Michael, in early September. And then we have, like, a horror adjacent Movie in the menu getting its second trailer from Mark a lot my lot of succession succession with Anya Taylor Joy Nicholas Holt Ray Finds Hong Chowd Reed Bernie Janet mcteer The stakes are high for the menu, Michael. Is this the most dangerous game? But the but with <laughs> Soylent Green? There's well, there's definitely a game of death revenge story plot afoot. Uh, Apparently, Ray Fine and his cult of chefs, of killer chefs, are out to kill all these patrons on a very specific targeted guest list that very night. And Anya Taylor-Joy, unfortunately, crashes this party accidentally, we think? Does she use her powers from New Mutants? Is that the payoff i hope so (laughs) i don't understand
1: i don't understand i'm i mean i will see this movie i it's quite good it's like number six right now on imdb's relevancy rankings too by the way so a lot of people looking forward to it Uh, at least people that use imdb but it looks funny it looks intriguing it looks scary nicholas holt looks like a complete dunce uh, Janet McTeer, who played Helen in Ozark and was a completely different type of character there than she is here. She's giving the uh, the witty one-liner, we're going to die here tonight. Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it looks great. It's got the dark humor like Succession does.
0: Yeah, the gallows humor from the super rich is really funny. I mean, the birthday yes. cake scene at the end. <laughs> I just, I'm in. I'm in for the menu. I can't wait for it. Another movie that I was shocked, like we weren't going to, keep these trailers in today, but I think we had to, because we had these from like two weeks ago. I finally watched them. God's Creatures, Michael. A24. This will be a late September release, September 30th. Directors Sayla Davis, Sarah Rose Homer. We have Paul Mescal from Normal People after Son and the Lost Daughter. Emily Watson from Godsford Park, Breaking the Waves. Two-time Oscar-nominated actress there. Red Dragon, Punch Drunk Love. Aisling Franciosi from The Nightingale and the Unforgivable. Holy holy hell yeah. this is one of the best trailers of the year God's how, creatures how far will a mother go
1: to protect her son and what does what kind of psychological effects will that wear on the mother as she starts to suspect her son for doing something this is like blow the man down meets Diane type
0: stuff. I mean, those two yes, movies clashing together. Good for me. calls, good pulls. Another movie that I almost watched last weekend with my brother was Mother that you had recently watched from Bong Joon-ho. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It reminded me of that yep. one a little bit as well. Uh, the mother reunites with her estranged son and then knowingly lies for him in this alibi sense. The cop knocking on the door—was he with you that night? I mean, we think she's lying. We don't know, but uh, look, I just. We don't have the blockbusters in September like we've had in past years, Michael, Shang-Chi, It. But there's a compelling list of films in September. Uh, w- you know, We've previewed a bunch of them in the past. Or we've previewed a bunch today. But The Woman King, see how they run. Pearl, don't worry, Darling, Blonde, Bros, the greatest beer run ever. Yeah. And then these last few with The Menu, Barbarian, and God's Creatures. I'm, I'm in. What do you think has the potential to be the biggest box office surprise out of any of those? Well, I tell you, Barbarian—if that gets enough word of mouth—I like that call. Yeah, you always—you yep. always, you always got to take a, a horror movie premise that good and with rave reviews. You got to take that seriously, no? I agree with that. I like that call. Do you, am I crazy for thinking Bros could be a surprise hit? I hope so. I hope so. That looks
1: funny as hell. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting. You do—you do, you make a good point. We don't have that—you know—tailor-made blockbuster like we usually do in September, but. Look, this is a great group of trailers, and you said it. That's why we left it in the in this episode. We wanted to review it. We wanted to have something to be excited about, and that's a, a list of movies that I don't think you can go wrong. At least there's a reason. They each give you a reason to spend money on them and at least check them out and see what they have in store. Um, we're going to start mm-hmm. wrapping up here with a pair of quick segments on the box office and some things we have seen. Bullet Train won the weekend of August 12th before we had a surprise box office hit this past weekend. Dragon Ball Super
0: Hero. Super, Dragon Ball Super Superhero
1: is the name of the Dragon, movie.
0: Double Super, right. yeah, twenty one point one million dollars fifty at the worldwide box office. Crushed Beast doubled Idris Elba's lion fighting punching film <laughs> that made eleven million. Michael uh, Beast has only made twenty four point four. Bullet Train was in third. You know, Top Gun Maverick crossed one point four billion. Yeah, with more movies not coming out, Top Gun Maverick is just eating. It just it kept eating all summer, so I'm not gonna lie. This summer has not been great in terms of films delivering on the hype. I'm a little bummed out that Nope. I mean, we knew Nope wasn't going to do great overseas, but it only made 20 million internationally. I think in two weeks. You got to it's 100 million overseas at this point. 135 yeah. uh, on the worldwide side right now for Nope. Uh, Bullet Train. You know, again, it's just 152 worldwide. I'm sure they're a little disappointed at Sony. Well, there. I mean, they,
1: bring, Brad Pitt it's been in all kinds of turmoil. I mean, the news couldn't come worse for bullet train with Brad, Brad Pitt stories coming out left
0: and right. And some of the stuff that he's being accused of. So not yeah, great. It's, it's really bad. And then, uh, yeah, I'm bummed. Uh, a movie like bodies, bodies, bodies didn't catch hold Same. as well as we, we hoped it would. Uh, it's only made 7.4 million from May twenty-four Thus far. I, I get why that's polarizing. We both do go back to, and listen to our episode. Really? One of our better guests, reviews yep. in a while from from Kobe Mack back there
1: yeah uh, big swing and a miss by me there with bodies 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 i thought that had the pretend for for a lot of the same reason you think barbarian could catch on i thought that would happen with bodies 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 but yeah certainly uh, more polarizing than we give it credit for but box office is something it's not been great uh there's not a lot of huge studio options to get you to the box office that's why you need to be excited about some of these more independent and lesser known films and hopefully we're doing a decent enough job of hyping those up but i know uh that stuff that we want to see for ourselves. And hopefully uh, we've done a good enough job of making you want to see them as well. Mike, anything
0: you've watched recently that you're super high on? Well, Emily the criminal, I did go to the movies to see that, Aubrey Plaza. She's just knocking on that Oscar door. I mean, she pulls off a New Jersey accent here. I usually get aggravated when accents are like that are trying to get pulled off, but she does it. It's a bizarre look at like this black market crime and you know, credit card fraud. I'd never thought I'd get a glimpse at that up close and personal in real life. And, you know, I got it here with this movie a very unique story with another awesome performance from Plaza. I watched I watched this little movie on uh, Amazon Prime, Michael, because I was hungry. the movie is called delicious Why do, you do
1: this to yourself
0: <laughs> the movie is called delicious i had a takeout order that i was going to pick up so i had to pause the movie get the takeout come back home and then uh, it's a french movie about the first restaurant ever set a few years before the french revolution so there's all kinds of a politic political backdrops but this duke chef right is fired and sent to live back home on his farm in the country so he basically starts feeding travelers that come through like starting up at inn but he doesn't really want to start up and end. He makes the first restaurant, and it's just this beautiful little story. It reminded me a lot of uh, Chocolat. I mean, he's not the nicest of guys, so he's got to get you know, he's he's got an arc to him Mm -hmm. as a character. So delicious. I would recommend delicious on Amazon Prime. And then I watched The Bear, which is another movie, uh, another show I watched because I was hungry. I had no idea this was about Italian beef. Why didn't anybody tell me? But Italian beef is something that I'm always interested in. However, the beef is not shown nearly enough. I'm very upset about the, the lack of... I, w- I mean, it's so easy. Just make a sandwich every episode. Show somebody <laughs> eating the sandwich in every episode. How hard is this? Do this for me. It's not hard, but... Look, there are huge laughs, laughs, there are unhinged sequences of hostile work environments from hell, and it vacillates b- b- behind those two poles that just freak you the hell out. I'm always living on edge when I'm watching the bear, so there's definitely serious character drama here that works and pays off extremely well, but you do have these unlikable characters at the center of it. My God, I can't stand this kid, I can't stand <laughs> his friend and cousin, whatever the hell he is. but the bear delivers as as... As a drama on Hulu, it is wacky, Michael, and I know there's a lot of things out there that we've been discovering and you you got a few here with the untold documentary and and you already mentioned the rehearsal. But first and foremost, how have you not finished Thirteen Lives? I'm halfway how dare it. you? I'm halfway through it. I'm working. I'm working. <laughs>
1: it's it look, I will say it's probably the the best Ron Howard movie I've seen in a while. Uh, so mm-hmm. that has got that going for it. I don't know just that I think
0: Backhanding <laughs> compliments.
1: <laughs> it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh God. Why
0: do you have to have the greatest things? Why? Why do you deserve the greatest <laughs> things all the time? You can't just watch, sit down, and watch a movie. How dare you? No, <laughs> I think I'm I have glad you.
1: It's it's tough for me to sit in a sh- to watch a streaming movie all the way through. It really is. I'm not
0: great yeah. at it. No, you're not. You really suck at it. But here's the question. Did you watch Untold the Girlfriend that didn't exist in I, one sitting? I did watch that in one sitting. That was
1: quite bingeable. I think it was only that's two, two episodes. episodes. Yeah, but uh, it's, it, it, it's my friends and I, two, my two buddies and I were talking about uh, that show last night after my, my third friend just finished, wrapped up watching it. Hmm. There's a lot of questions that are left unanswered, but the uh, <laughs> the main part, the main takeaway from this is that Manti Te'o is probably the greatest human being that's ever existed.
0: Well, he definitely uh, is portrayed here in a different light than what we saw a few years ago, because we all heard those jokes, yeah, you know, years and, back, and he
1: heard them too. I mean, he he addresses them and takes them, confronts them head on, and he just rises above them. He decides to take the high road over and over again. And if he's being his authentic and genuine self, then he—I mean, there's—you can only hope to be like him in the future. But it, it's—it is a great watch. It's intriguing, and it, it, there's questions that are left unanswered. I think that event really ruined
0: his career. Oh yeah, single-handed. Oh,
1: hundred percent. No question. And they talk to the the Ronaya, the now female who is responsible for it and one yeah. of the more puzzling things is that she doesn't you don't get this overwhelming sense of regret from her
0: no it is it is a bizarre watch i i you're watching a person tell the entire story and they have a lot of regret and yet they're still t- trying to explain it And it's one of the more fascinating attempts at a tell all documentary. But you're right, I think there are still holes in it. Just like the, I watched the N1 documentary last night the rise and fall oh, of one yeah. the untold and i, I wore and one sneakers back in the day Same. i was really into them yeah. And, and yeah there's they they gloss over a few major events <laughs> like oh we exploited all these guys yeah we admit as much and we spend 30 <laughs> seconds on it whoopsies you know, so, <laughs> whoops <laughs> We're, we, we got a you know 100 million dollar parachute but yeah we exploited all these guys what the hell I'm I'm upset that I have to go back and finish Better Call Saul. I'm upset that
1: I that the new Handmaid's Tale season is starting soon, and I have to go check that out. I wish these things were just
0: out already, so I could have just binged through them and been done with them. But such is life. Such is life. But you're you're watching t- movies on TV again, at least half at a time. I'll do so another I'm, 15 I'm... minutes of 13 Lives tonight and let you know how it goes. Oh my <laughs> <gosh. Yes. laughs> oh my bite. I just bite my tongue. As always,
1: we want to know what you've been watching. What are your thoughts on these stories and these trailers? Are you excited by anything coming out? Do you have any thoughts on what the indie spirits or the Halloween ends, uh, peacock network i should say has done let us know all those as well as any other thoughts comments questions or concerns you have about anything we do here in the mmo empire as always you can leave us all of those on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at MM and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available wherever you do hear podcasts if you're listening to us on either the apple podcast or spotify app if you would be so kind if you appreciate what we do to leave us a five-star review those truly help us out Big time! They take about ten seconds out of your day to do. They make our entire day. Thank you to each and every one of you who have done so thus far, Michael. Let's have some words of wisdom to end on and tell the good people what's
0: coming next from us. Well, it is wise to watch movies in one sitting. Disagree. Hard no. disagree. <laughs> it is wise to show the sandwich being eaten when your show is about making a sandwich. Show the sandwich being eaten in every episode. Show it in the. Credits. Show me the sandwich. Give me the sandwich. Show. Give me the sandwich. I want the stance. I want to lean over the thing. I want the elbows out. I want to eat eat the Italian beef. Just somebody send me Italian beef, please. That's Can the, we do that? Is that's that the wise? Moral of the episode, <laughs> I just want to eat one of those things. I can't go to Chicago and eat one, but I I did eat one when I was in Chicago, and it was good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was good. Did you have the Did you have the, the jus? I oh, yeah. did. I have the. I have. I had. Well, no. I don't. I don't think there's jus, but it, there, there's like jus on the sandwich. Mm. Mm. So it's just like in this tin foil It was really soggy and delicious My favorite and It was one of my favorite sandwiches in a while What are we talking about? I gotta do something <laughs> it's uh oh uh what's coming next yeah. more oscar race checkpoints apparently uh the summer oscar series might be one episode long uh, i think <laughs> that's gonna, as much as i want to talk to david long about oscar betting we're going to get all the lines changed now so we might have missed our window so shout out to david long is it worth it worth it the film review podcast there and uh we'll, we'll definitely get him on we're talking about some things with him uh for sure but we may actually talk about oscar betting michael after venice and tiff and kind of into new york there rather than kind of jump on it now because we're going to get trumped and stumped and everything's going to change next week with venice so we got to come back here and do oscar race checkpoints about venice
1: what if we just did a summer oscar series but have the second
0: episode be in like (laughs) (laughs) mid-november i'm down at this point i'll do whatever just you're the you're the marketing guy Oh yes, that's
1: a safe move for us, <laughs> guys. When reality sucks, you can have a year-long summer Oscars preview series with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.